and we are recording. Welcome back to another Learn Lead Thursday, episode 17 here with an amazing, amazing interview. Landon, how's it going, man? Hey, we got a good one for him, guys. Good one for him. Who, who, who we got? Mr. Jordan Montgomery, owner of Montgomery Company's performance coach and keynote speaker. He's Dude, he's a young gun. Young gun out there getting after it. He, he started as an advisor, transitioned into, into his world now, and, and he's absolutely dominating. Dominating. Guys, uh, just an absolute stud, super confident in his work. I'm a big fan. That's that's really not uh, – there's nothing more I can say. We're really grateful for Ben Newman, who we had on a couple weeks ago. He gave us the referral, Jordan, and Jordan is just next level. He just likes giving back to the community and just giving back and bringing value in any way you can. What else can what else can you say about it, man? Anything he just, else? Yo, he he delivers. There's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of people out there that claim to be gurus that are just copy and pasting stuff from other people. This guy really brings it, and he he shows up different. That's I really my biggest takeaway. Yeah, he brings so much passion. Wears his heart on his sleeve. Gave us some amazing books to read, uh, amazing audios to listen to. Just so much value packed into one episode. And Jordan, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for coming on, man. This is the Learn Lead Podcast with your hosts, Tony V and Landon Arcangelo, coming to you with exclusive access inside the lives of some of the world's most successful leaders. got Mr. Jordan Montgomery in the building, baby. How we doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Jordan is the owner of, of Montgomery Companies. He's a performance coach and a keynote speaker. What, what did I miss there, Jordan? Uh, yeah, fa- father, husband, and uh, professionally, you know, keynote speaker and performance coach. You got it. Awesome. Awesome. So, so we usually like to start this way. Can you tell our guests where you've been and where, where you are today? Yeah, so live in Southeast Iowa. Um, our practice takes us, you know, all over the country. Right now, in in the COVID season, I'm not traveling as much as I once was, you know. So I know many are in that boat. But um, we have a, a consulting practice. We work mostly with people who are in the the people business. Uh, so they're either building relationships with other people. They're an entrepreneur, salesperson, leader of people, and we also work with athletes around the areas of performance and uh, personal growth and development. So I have a background in, in finance. Uh, it's where I got my start when I graduated from the University of Iowa back in 2009. And um, today we got three little girls uh, married and um, we live in God's country in the eastern part of the state of Iowa. So that's the, that's the short story. So Jordan, graduating in 09, that's leaving you around what, 29, 30 years old, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just turned 33. My question to you would be for a guy as young as you and on the platform that you're on, is how are you able to establish, establish credibility with your audience and yourself, basically? like At what point in your career did you say, I've established enough credibility to go into the keynote speaking space? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that looks different for everyone. Um, you know, I I'm really fortunate to have a lot of people around me that have just been mentors, friends. Uh, you know, I think I, I got my start inside of a Fortune 100 company with a lot of really established leaders. Many of those leaders have since become 
our clients. And so I would say it, it was deep relationship, you know, and it takes it takes time to build trust and rapport. But it's just like anything else in life, right? Like you start with the people that you're closest with and then you work from there. So we had a few crazy people that said yes to us in the early stages of building our business. Many of those people are still clients today. But, um, you know, we built our business on the back of their faithful decision to say yes. And, um, you know, I think part of it is too just having a posture of humility. You know, Pitbull, uh, Mr. Worldwide, owns the rights to one of my favorite quotes. He said, if you ask for money, you might get advice. If you ask for advice, you'll get money twice. And so that's the only time I'll quote Pitbull in our conversation. But, uh, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of truth to that sentiment, you know. And so I don't know that, that it was as much about me establishing credibility as it was me being really curious and laying myself at the feet of people who I knew could help me and answer a lot of questions. And I think in that process, you know, we established relationship and then through relationship established credibility. So you started at, I want to say it was, was it Northwestern Mutual was the company that you started with? Got it. Yep. And, and so what, you know, and I, I interned there for a little over a year. So I, I understand the culture, but for our listeners that, that aren't aware of it, can you talk about that company and, and, and just the values that you took away from, from working there and just the experience overall um, that kind of exposed you to that leadership aspect and just all the great successful people that you were exposed to? Yeah, Northwestern Mutual is a 150-year-old company, uh, been around for a long time, Fortune 100. Um, I, I was exposed to so many values-based leaders. You know, if, if I had to describe that company in a word, it would be values. And, um, you know, just really strong culture, great tradition, um, high standards, you know, and, and I learned to grow a business where I was in business for myself, but not by myself. So I was really fortunate that I had a I had structure, I had systems. I would say for somebody that wants an opportunity where, you know, maybe they don't have a half a million dollars of capital to start a business, but they still want to operate like an entrepreneur where they have some of the flexibility and the freedom to run their own business, grow relationships, you know, create their own opportunity. It's a really good fit. So I learned a lot about leading myself. I eventually learned about leading others. I learned about communication. I learned about leadership. So much of who I am today and what I've learned as a result of the great opportunity that I had at Northwestern Mutual. So I'm forever grateful for my opportunity at Northwestern and still very grateful today for many of the quality relationships that I have as a result of that opportunity. And uh, being from a, I'm, I'm with New York Life, so same kind of space and a same uh, competition area. Did you start with uh, just basically just life insurance or were you working all different types of products? Yeah, you know, I, I started uh, with core product or risk management planning. And then, you know, through my first year, I, I got my series six and 63 and started to move more into the investment space and do more comprehensive planning. But, but I cut my teeth on, you know, addressing life's uncertainties and, and, uh, yeah, it served me really well. You know, we we kept it simple, but we met people where they were at, and uh, and it was uh, it was a great way to get started in the financial services industry. And when you were doing that, how were you positioning yourself, especially in the early stages of your career? How, like, if I ask you, hey Jordan, what what do you do for a living? What what was your answer? Yeah, I would say I own a financial services practice, or I run a financial services practice. Um, 
and and I and I really kept it at that. You know, I, I was fortunate, a lot like you, to to be plugged into a network. So if I was in over my head, I had a team of people that could help, and and that was really comforting in the early stages of my business because if I didn't have the answer, somebody else had the answer. So For sure. I was just man, I was pretty simple, you know, in, in my approach. Um, I think all of us in this space could take a course called Less Is More. You know, if you're going to enter into the people business, uh, specifically the financial services business, I think it can become really complex very quickly if we let it become complex. And I've watched a lot of early stage advisors try to, you know, um, I think it's a credibility thing, right? It's like, well, I do this and I do this and, you know, and, and they make it kind of fancy. Um, and what I learned in my journey is the less I said, the the more simple I, I kept things uh, the more open people were to receiving my message. And so as far as positioning, I just said, yeah, I, I run a financial services practice. I'm a part of Northwestern Mutual and kept it really simple. Fast forward, give us the timeline of when you decided to start Montgomery Companies and exactly what Montgomery Companies is. I know you you uh, you, you gave a little bit of background on it, but kind of dive into uh, exactly what you guys do. Yeah, so we started Montgomery Companies two years ago, and uh, my wife and I started the company together, so we're business partners. The big joke is that she runs the business, and I just blab all day every day, so I run my mouth, and she runs I the business. Um, we're, we're very opposite, but we complement each other really well. Um, I'm pretty emotional. She's pretty logical. She's really steadfast. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, so today, I do a lot of keynote speaking with sales organizations across the country, in different industries and sectors. Uh, we coach with about 300 to 350 clients um, in our mastermind and group coaching programs. I have about 25 individual clients that we work with. And then we do a lot of consulting work um, with very various companies as well. So we've, we've recently built out a team, which has been really fun. So we have some other coaches on our platform um, that are driving our impact forward. And, uh, you know, we're trying to Take things one day and one relationship at a time and just create as much impact as we can. Would it be safe to say that it's a similar model to the way John Maxwell runs his kind of business? Yeah. Um, you know, we would be a much smaller, lesser <laughs> uh, version of Maxwell's company. But yeah, when I think about what we want to grow, it's, it's very much that type of a model, right? Where there's a team and, uh, you know, I think we're multiplying our efforts and our impact through other people. So, very much respect what John Maxwell has built and how he's built it. Yeah, that that, that duplication aspect's really huge. And now, my one uh, follow up question to that would be: We've known you for a very short period of time, but it, it's very evident that you're a very enthusiastic human being. How did you have to develop that, or is that who you've been for a while, or is that did you develop that to turn into the character that you're looking to be? Yeah, you know, I think I just try to be who God made me to be, and. Um, you know, I think sometimes that serves me well and, and other times it doesn't, right? Because uh, everyone is wired differently. I think if there's one thing that I've learned in my journey, it's you got to be who you are. Certainly there's there's parts of being positive and optimistic that are winsome. And I'm trying to lean into that. You know, one of my personal goals is to be the most positive person that my audience interacts with daily. So if I'm you know, if I've got a full slate of, you know, coaching meetings and speaking engagements, I just want the people on the other end of my message, whether it's one-on-one or it's in a group setting, 
to receive me as one of the most positive people that they interact with that day. Um, that I can control. It's within my power. It has to do with energy and effort. It doesn't cost me anything. So that is something that I'm fairly intentional about. But I would say some of the enthusiasm is just the way that that probably God made me, and it's the way that I communicate, and uh, I just try to be who I am. Attention all financial advisors. In episode 15, we interviewed one of the top former financial advisors in America and now performance coach Ben Newman. Ben has recently created the Financial Advisor Academy, the ultimate education and coaching program focused on helping advisors increase their sales and build the mental toughness needed to maximize their potential and serve more clients. The Learn Lead Podcast and Ben Newman have partnered up to give you 33% off your potential subscription to the Financial Advisor Academy. I say potential because this is something that you have to apply for and get accepted into. If you're looking to take your business to the next level, I suggest you give this a shot. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode. And, and as a financial advisor, guys, I utilize this every day, whether it's motivation, handling objections, closing deals, the Financial Advisor Academy has it all. Take advantage of this opportunity now. I got a question about entrepreneurship in general for you. So there's 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 a couple types of entrepreneurs out there. There's the ones that succeed and the ones that don't, right? And And what do you think separates you and, and I would consider you a successful entrepreneur for what it's worth. So what, what would you say the difference maker is between entrepreneurs that are successful and entrepreneurs that just are either are breaking even or, or barely getting by and, and fizzling out of their business? I really think it's about a tolerance or an appetite to try new things and to accept failure, to embrace failure, um, the willingness to put yourself out there one of our mantras in our business is build the plane as you fly it. You know, uh, done is better than perfect. And so we've just sort of accepted as we grow our company that there's parts of the plane that are going to fall off and then we'll put them back on and the plane might crash and then we'll rebuild it. We'll fly it again. So um, I think many of us, are, you know, we're, we're held back. I see a lot of people, even, you know, folks that we coach with, they're held back because of what people think. And if you can learn to quiet the critics and train your focus on the impact, I think you can 2x or 5x or 10x your opportunity and your impact. So I wouldn't say we've arrived in that space. Like I'm human, so I still care and I'm still held back sometimes by critics. But regardless of what industry you're in, what business you run, the quicker you can jump over that initial hurdle, the better off you're going to be. Uh, Robin Sharma said this. He said, every visionary is once ridiculed before they are revered. And so I, I just think part of progress, part of success, part of innovation, part of growth is dealing with the critics and the early stage ridicule that might come with doing something different because innovation disrupts the marketplace, right? And innovation disrupts society. When you step out to say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to I want to work more hours and make less, that's different. And there's a lot of people that don't understand that. And they might not understand your product or your mission or your business. And people tend to criticize what they understand the least. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would say, you know, what separates entrepreneurs, especially early stage entrepreneurs that have success and then ones that are just sort of mediocre or don't make it is how they deal with the initial stages of ridicule, what people think, and the critics that might enter into their realm. So, you know, obviously there's a bunch of other factors, but if I had to pin it on one thing in my experience, 
that's a major factor of early stage growth and success. So, so what are some examples that, that you faced um, adversity wise throughout your, your entrepreneurial career? Yeah, good question. I um, think about social media, you know, and I think many of us desire to create content that is effective and winsome and creates a positive impact on social media. But the only way you can do that is if you first create content that's kind of silly or goofy or maybe it doesn't look right or it's not positioned right because you don't know what you don't know. And so when you get started, like I look back at some of the stuff that we posted in the initial stages of starting a company. And, you know, social media is is part of our go-to-market strategy. In today's world, I think if you don't have a social media presence and you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're really, you're far behind. You know, I think we're far behind. We have a lot of work to do to catch up to where other people are at that are even in our kind of our same tenure. But I remember the early stages, you know, I'd put stuff out there and my friends would give me a hard time or I'd have a message that didn't sound right. Or we'd post a graphic that, you know, didn't look right. And so you take some heat for that. And you're kind of out there for everybody to see, right? You're sharing your thoughts and your truth and your message and, and your, you know, I started to be vulnerable and I, and I opened up about my failures and my weaknesses. And it was hard in the early stages, um, but I'm so glad that I did it because it's gotten us to where we are at today. And I think so few people are willing to make that initial jump to start sharing their truth, speaking their mind, you know, sharing what's on their heart, because again, they're afraid of what other people think. So that would be one example uh, for sure in our world. Um, and then the other thing is just, you know, um, pivoting from what you know. I think for all of us, it's easy to stay inside your comfort zone. It's like, look, this is what I know. It's where I'm safe. It's predictable. And for us, the pivot toward entrepreneurship meant we were going to walk into a land of uncertainty and there's going to be some unknowns. And for me, that was just really exciting. But um, again, I think for many, that's it's paralyzing. You know, So there were moments of difficulty in that. But uh, again, God's provided and he's opened doors. And so we're thankful for that. That's awesome, man. And and I, I have kind of an industry specific question to go off of what you're talking about. So I always joke with with the guys in my office, I say, you know, I feel like the financial services industry is 10 years delayed behind where everybody else is going. Like we have all these regulations and things we have to follow. Um, and and as you know, the the cliche or the, the, the traditional way of building a practice and 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 introducing yourself to people is you know, obviously having your warm market of people that you're you're close with and that respect you. And it's also just plain old Granum numbers, you know, calling 40 times a day, setting as many meetings as you can and, and growing a practice like that consistently. But how do you think technology is going to have an impact on, you know, advisors and how they grow their practices? And, and, and you start seeing these training softwares coming up with the lead generations and things like that. And um, what's your take overall on, on social media for advisors? And, and we do have a, a good handful of advisors that listen to this podcast. So I'm sure there's some value to be taken from that. Where, where do you see that going and, and where is it today? I think, you know, part of our job as, as those that are in the people business is to anticipate what the future might look like. And if, if we can be leaders or for those that are listening, if we can be advisors who are uh, creating the future rather than reacting to the future, we're always in a better spot. So kudos to those that are listening that are out there creating the future and thinking about you know what's coming down the pipe in 10 years and 15 years and 
you know, um, you know, one of the things that I think about is this virtual world that we're living in. I, I think five years from now, we'll joke about Zoom meetings. You know, it's like, remember when I saw you on a screen and, uh, we, and we did this thing called Zoom and maybe Zoom will adapt, right? So maybe Zoom means something different five years from now. But I think the world of virtual reality is expanding and, you know, that will change the way that we interact with clients, right? That if you live mm-hmm. in a big city, a client might not want to drive across town 30 or 40 minutes to come see you. They might be okay sitting in their living room, hooking up to a headset and experiencing you as if you're in the room with them. You know, so I think we have to have a real open-minded spirit about change because it's coming. And, you know, I think the difference between you being a good leader and a great leader is being one who anticipates rather than react. So we'll always battle, I think, the challenge of regulation and compliance because, let's face it, it, it needs to be a very regulated industry. Um, that said, I think the companies that can get ahead of the curve and say, hey, what's coming? How can we adapt and you know, maintain uh, all of our you know, uh, compliance standards? are the companies that are going to win. And we're already seeing that happen in, in a really huge way. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, our, our, our world is changing rapidly. Um, and technology is a, a huge part of that. There's a, there's a really good podcast out for our listeners. I, um, t- to answer your question, there's a great podcast out right now. By, it's on the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. It's an episode. It's, it's the newest episode. And it, it's called um, How to Be a Leader Who Anticipates. And that question that you just asked about technology um, would be answered 100 times over inside of that episode. So for those that are listening, you know, I typically don't recommend when I've been interviewed on a podcast for somebody listening to a <laughs> podcast. But uh, man, that, that's a gift to our listeners. I'm not tied in any way to Craig Rochelle, so I don't have any formal connection to him. I'm just a fan of his. and wanted to uh, put that out there for our listeners. Um, Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, How to Be a Leader Who Anticipates. That's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate the reference. And it's funny, I'm looking here down at my post-it note here. Landon was telling me the other day, losers react, leaders anticipate. So it's so funny how relevant uh, that is to what you were just saying. So now in terms of future, when you were talking about the future and anticipation, what's what's to come in the future for you? Where do you see yourself and what's your grand vision? Well, I'll just, I'll just be open. Um, you know, number one, we, we I, I want to honor my, my family and um, honor God with how we move forward. So, you know, I think it's our job to keep a real open hand with, with how we grow. And I'm constantly thinking about what serves my family and, uh, and serves the relationship with my maker well as we grow this business. Um, so I'm trying to think about it through that lens, but uh, in my utopia, we'd grow something really special, right? We'd expand our impact. We'd continue to grow our team. We're hiring coaches right now on our platform. We're fortunate to have a coaching inquiry daily. Um, sometimes it's multiple people daily, and I only have so much time in a day. So we're building a team to equip and reach more people. I and think Jordan, that- if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me interrupting real quick while we're talking about the coaching, how do you vet these coaches, and what do you look for in these people? Yeah, they got to be values-based people first and foremost. So they, they've got to have strong values. Um, typically, they, they, they've got to have a track record of success in leadership. So they've had some formal leadership training 
They've been in a leadership position. Oftentimes, they've already got coaching experience. You know, our job is to match up the inquiries with personalities and style too. So we want to make sure we have a diverse group of coaches, uh, background, ethnicity, style, personality. I mean, all that comes into play. So there's a lot of factors, but first and foremost, they have to be wired to help people and spend time with people. And they got to care about relationships because coaching is, is relational growth and development. So to answer your question, I'd say, you know, there's a number of factors, but those are a few. Um, and, and then on the speaking side, you know, my goal would be to continue to work with major companies and organizations that want to grow their teams. And, uh, you know, we, we, I'm still doing small groups. I'll, I'll speak to a group of 25 people and, you know, we've had an audience as big as 15,000 and everywhere in between. So, uh, we just want to continue to grow our influence and our impact through speaking and coaching work. In terms of your own personal development, what are you doing to, better yourself and put yourself in a better position to be the best speaker you can be? Well, I believe in coaching as well. So I have two people that I coach with currently. I've always had a coach. I hired my first coach when I was 22 years old professionally. I ask a lot of questions. I think those who are curious are going to win long-term. I think the paradox of education is real. The more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out like, what do I not know? What are my blind spots? What questions should I be asking? One of my beliefs is that if we're not annoying at least one person, we're probably not growing. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to annoy people. I'm asking a lot of questions like, hey, can I get time on your calendar? What do you think of this? And and do that in a tactful and professional way. So I don't mean annoy people like be inconsiderate. Um, but if you're really in growth mode, you know, I think we should be asking questions like crazy to people that we trust and respect who have gone before us. So, um, and then a lot of content absorption. I I listen to podcasts continuously. Um, I'll definitely be dialing into your podcast. I've already listened to a couple of the episodes. So kudos to the great work that you guys are doing, but I'm an auditory learner. So I'm just, I'm big into podcasts, uh, the Ed Milet show, Craig Rochelle leadership podcast, the Lewis Howes school of greatness podcast is another one. And then, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big audiobook guy as well. So those would be just a few of the ways that I learn. And, you know, I've, I've, I've got a long ways to go to become the man that I want to be, that's for sure. So constantly trying to gain an edge through personal growth and development. Yeah, that's what one thing I was going to ask. I know you said the audiobooks. What are some books that uh, you want to leave our listeners with that are super foundational in helping you? Old school, but never goes out of style. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. There's a book called The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale that is dynamite. There's a book called Love is the Killer App by Tim Sanders. That's one of my favorites. Uh, How Successful People Think by John Maxwell was really transformative in my growth and development. Uh, one of his newest books, Leadership, is another one uh, that's been really helpful in, in my journey. I'm a huge fan of John Maxwell. I mean, anything that Maxwell puts out, I would say, generally speaking, is is really solid. And then probably the the book that's changed my professional journey, perhaps the most, is a book called The One Thing by Gary Keller. And The One Thing's all about focus and efficiency and having a singularity of purpose. So, uh, so that'd be another one that I'd have our leaders check out, The One Thing by Gary Keller. 
Jordan, I think the one thing that we have either just not talked about or it'll come across undervalued or underrated is your ability to motivate others. I, I've seen some of your content. Um, you talking to a football team. What was the team, the college you were talking to um, in that in that promo video or that motivational video? Uh, Central Arkansas, UCA. Yeah, that was that was phenomenal. And any, if anybody hasn't seen that or wants to see it, one, Jordan, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell everybody how they can follow you. But two, can you can you leave our listeners with some type of motivation? Generally, the guys listening, the guys and gals listening to this are you know mid to late twenties, early thirties, entrepreneurial style people. What what do you got for us? Well, let me just start with the things that get in our way because one of my beliefs is that everybody listening has a vision of where they want to go, and not just in business, but in you know with their family and the community as a parent, as a spouse, as a significant other, as a friend, and as a professional. And I think there's three things that really get in our way of living into our unlived life or living into our sort of utopia scenario for what what we want our life to look like. I think the first thing is dealing with critics. I think we have to learn how to overcome ridicule or the opinion of man. I think that's very real. I know we touched on that a little bit already. The analogy that I would give you there is um, if you're a musician, you're playing for the fans that bought a ticket to your show, and we all have fans. So what I know about the two of you is, is you have fans, and you got people at your stage. They love your music. They love the show. They've bought a ticket. They're at the stage. A musician is going to play for the people that bought a ticket. They're not worried about the person outside the arena on the sidewalk that didn't buy the ticket. And so many times we slow down for the person that's outside the arena that's not at our show. And as a result, we lessen the impact that we have with our fans, the people that are already you know, um, listening to your music. They buy you. They buy your product. They buy your services, and, and, and they're leaning in. And more importantly, they buy you. So I think, number one, we got to deal with critics. Number two, I think we have to battle a spirit of mediocrity. I think so many times, and I've been guilty of this, it's like, well, maybe next year I'll do that. I'm not quite ready. Maybe I'm not qualified. I just don't have the experience. You know, tomorrow or next week or next month, there's a spirit of mediocrity that sometimes gets in our way. And it's the the devil on our shoulder, right, Sam? But if you try that, you could get hurt. You know, we're wired to survive. We're not wired to thrive. We're, We're actually wired. We were created for the path of least resistance. It's a defense mechanism. Mel Robbins wrote a book about this called The Five Second Rule. She said, you have five seconds to take action when you know you need to take action before your brain will convince you to do something else. Because anytime our body senses physical or emotional harm, we, 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 you know, we'll, we'll have signals to our brain that say, hey, you could be hurt. Don't do that. And so we'll go do something else. And so we just need to be in tune with that. We're wired to survive. We're not wired to thrive. And, um, and I think the part of the way that we get past the spirit of mediocrity is not just understanding that we're wired to survive. But it's also understanding that we were wired to impact and serve other people. So the message there is it's not about you. You were given gifts. You were given skills. You were created to be somebody who has significant impact on the world around you. And every decision you make, every action you take, every conversation you have, every word that comes out of your mouth has a ripple effect. And this life is not about us. And so when we, when we start to look at life through that lens, I think it's easier to take action and move past the spirit of mediocrity because life is short and we get one chance. Ed Milet said, my greatest fear 
is that one day I will get to the end of my life and I would meet the destiny version of who I was created to be. So I'll meet my maker. And in that moment, I'll also meet the destiny version of who I was created to be. My biggest fear is that that person that I was created to be and the person that I was are complete strangers. So I might not, I might not live into my, my giftedness entirely, right? I might fall a little bit short, but I just don't want to be that person at the end of my life that says, man, I could have been so much more. And I didn't use the gifts that God gave me to have the right type of impact on this world. You know, Rachel Hollis said, you know, every year we write a new chapter in our story. We can't afford to write the same chapter 75 times and call it a life. So those, those types of mantras or that way of thinking should spur a sense of urgency inside of us. It's not about us. We've been given gifts. They can be taken away any moment. Life is short. My gifts are not for me to build my own kingdom. You know, I believe my gifts are, are for me to glorify my maker and lead my family and impact others. And that's helped me to move past the spirit of, of mediocrity. The final thing is beating distraction. We live in a world that's so distracted. Uh, this era, th- this period of time that we're living in right now, we're, we're a part of the most distracted generation to ever walk planet Earth. The average Facebook user will spend two years of their life on Facebook. Um, I saw recently the average American is on their phone for four and a half hours per day. So we spend 145 hours a month on our phone. There's 6 million apps on the iPhone and the Android. And and some of those apps are really good. Some of them are not so good. So we got to move past distraction. And, you know, the book, The One Thing, I'll go back to Gary Keller and The One Thing. He says, the art in doing more and accomplishing more is found through the path of focusing on less. And he talks about the art of going small, which means instead of focusing on nine things, we focus on one thing and we do it really, really well. And going small is a tighter connection between why you do what you do and understanding that not all things matter equally and moving toward the things that matter most. So I would say for our listeners, if they, if they want to 2x their opportunity or their impact or 5x their opportunity or their impact, it's thinking about what do I really want to accomplish and how am I going to deal with the spirit of mediocrity, the critics around me, and the distracted brain and environment that I live in. I think if people can deal with those three things, they have a much greater chance of playing to their potential and living into their unlived life. Wow. I just got so much value of that. And I'm sure all of our listeners who consider themselves leaders just got so much value and uh, excitement out of what you just said. That was a really amazing. And I appreciate that so much. And I implore everyone to follow Jordan and continuously um, experience his journey with him. Jordan, in terms of that, how can we follow you on Instagram and uh, maybe plug in whatever uh, websites you got so that our listeners can follow you? Yeah, so on Instagram, uh, I'm at Jordan M. Montgomery, and uh, we try to engage as often as possible through uh, social media platforms. So you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, our website's MontgomeryCompanies.com, and we'd love to continue our impact, uh, not only with the two of you, but with your audience. And I'm just so honored to be on your show, guys. So thanks for thanks for having me, Antonio and Landon, and. Um, I will be following your journey and I'll be 
tuning into this show and and this is the kind of work that more people need is is the work that you're doing so uh keep the faith and keep attacking really appreciate you coming on man thank you so much and have a great day same to you guys be well tuning in to the learn lead podcast where you get to own your life stay tuned for our future guests coming soon make sure to like and subscribe